Welcome back. I'm your host, Robin. You are now listening to my new podcast, Broken, Strength Under Control. Did you know that you are all called to be a light in this dark world that we are living in? So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Today, I would like to speak from this point. Who told you that? Who have you been listening to? I'm actually going to come from Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 13. And the New King James Version just says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, before I go into that, today, um, this episode is very unique in that it is the 12th episode. 12 represents so many different things to me. Um, And I just wanted to share some things with you about what the number 12 represents and why it's so significant and why it's so important to me. 12 represents authority and perfection, government of God. Jesus had 12 disciples. The woman who had the issue of blood was for 12 years and actually is the thing that I talk about in the very last chapter of my book, which is coming out in January of 2021. Such a shameless plug, but I had to do it. Jesus was 12 when he spoke in the temple. There were 12 cakes placed in the tabernacle. There were 12 spies that scouted out the promised land. There were 12 baskets that remained full after Jesus fed the 5,000. Jairus's daughter was 12 when, when Jesus brought her back to life. And just coincidentally, that that woman who had the issue of blood, there was an interruption while he was on his way to the house to heal Jairus's daughter. The woman who had the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. And so he spoke to her in that same moment on his way to heal a little girl who was sick. Well, they had told them that she was dead at this point, but he was on his way to bring her back to life. Um, when he was interrupted with the woman who had the issue of blood, it just lets you know that there could be a lot of different things going on all at the same time, but God is in tune with each and everything. There's nothing that escapes his vision. And so when I talked about, when I stated that, not what I talked about, but when I stated, who told you that? Who have you been listening to? Some time ago, I did a study on the ear gates. 
and I uncovered some interesting things about our ears. So if we're speaking spiritually, spiritual ears are imperative for spiritual understanding. Ears are the second gateway to the heart. Hearing is fundamental to two of the most essential keys to a Christian. Faith and obedience. The words we choose to listen to and reflect upon inform our beliefs, our faith, and the morals we live by. Ears are for obedience. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. We must begin to we must begin not by talking, but by listening with one ear finely tuned to the direction of the Holy Spirit for discernment. And then well, actually, finely tuned for discernment and wisdom. And then the other ear is tuned with the intent on listening to those who we are in conversation with. Everything we allow into our ears can impact how we live, what we do, and how we respond to others. So now I'm excited about this. Let's just jump right on in here and get down to this. So I thought that it was interesting um, how we tend to be such visual people, basically. I'm a very visual person. That's how I learn, by seeing it and then by doing it. Um, But I thought that it was so interesting. And I'm going to tell y'all, I could have just stayed right here with Adam and Eve um, talking about who have you been listening to um, and who told you that. But because I'm telling you, this this thing right here was just so we know that the fall of men, the fall of man was in Genesis three, Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, Satan was found in his cunning, crafty ways. It has been said he did not look like a snake at first, but became one. And so what that lets me believe is, is because, you know, when God placed Adam in the garden, he he allowed him to name every creature that we know of today was named by Adam. And so Satan really did not look like a snake in the garden, which lets me know that they weren't afraid of anything that was moving in the garden during that time. They knew because Adam gave gave it its name and God gave him that ability to be able to do that. He even named the woman. Um, and so it has said, been said that he didn't really look like a snake, but he became one. Some have said that he was some type of reptile um, that walked, had wings. Um, well, we know that he was an angelic being in the in the heavens they said that when he moved his body made beautiful music and so he was one of the most beautiful angels that God had created and so we know that in the garden he didn't look like a snake he had been studying Eve for some time which lets me know that she was not afraid of him when he approached her. Satan knew 
she was the more vulnerable one than Adam was. It was actually a demonic spirit that entered the body of a precursor serpent. Adam and Eve had free conversations with angelic beings that often appeared in the form of men. I believe that Satan communicated to Eve in her thoughts. Eve did not receive the command directly from God, but through Adam. Adam didn't do a good job of communicating God's instructions to Eve, and this made her more vulnerable. So when Satan came for her, like he does for any one of us, he often looks for the weakest link in the chain. So when you're at your weakest moments, that's usually when he strikes. He's not coming at you when you're strong. And so I thought that that was interesting in itself. So Satan's first attack was leveled against the word of God. If he could get Eve to become confused or doubt what God said, then the battle was partially won. That's just how he does us. We know that the battle initially starts in our minds and he comes to get us to doubt what God's word says. And so when you're in a weak moment, what are you doing? You're questioning everything that God said, whether it's a heartbreak from a breakup, whether it is a a form of disappointment because things did not turn out the way that you thought it was going to turn out, um, or you put You placed an unrealistic expectation on someone. They didn't come through like you needed them to. And so you just have, you have anger, you have bitterness. You have a lot of different things that are just setting up. And it basically causes you to be weak. And that's usually when he comes in. So anytime you leave a crack or crevice, a threshold, something, a door open, That's usually when he slithers right on in there and start planning doubt. And so from the beginning, Satan has tried to undermine God's people by undermining his word. He can undermine just as effectively by getting us to neglect God's word as by getting us to doubt. Satan paraphrased what God said in a negative way. So basically he told Eve, surely you won't die. That's clearly not what God said. That was his starting point to getting her to doubt the word of God. And so with the serpent, Eve's first mistake was having a discussion. We are called to talk to the devil not to have a discussion with him by simply and strongly telling him the Lord rebuke you. So basically anytime you entertain doubt and those thoughts that are not of God, you're, you're discussing, you have a discussion with the devil about God's word and what he said. That's not what he called us to do. He said that if you resist the devil, he will flee. And if you rebuke him, he has to go because When you say Jesus's name and when you speak the blood over your mind and over your thoughts, the devil has to leave. He cannot continue to operate. So Eve's knowledge was partially correct. And what she doesn't seem to know makes her more vulnerable to deception. She doesn't seem to know that the name of this tree 
Not having the correct information makes you more vulnerable to the devil's schemes. And so basically, we cannot partially quote God's word. She added words that God did not say. You have to study God and his word for yourself so that you can withstand the devil's tricks. So that was her first mistake. Her first mistake was having a discussion. Her second was, was that she misquoted the word of God. Why? That goes all the way back to Adam, not giving her the information, not communicating the information correctly. He had the correct information. He just didn't communicate it to Eve correctly. So she was, for lack of better terms, misguided by her husband. And, and when I saw that, it was just like, wow. So Adam not explaining God's word made her more vulnerable. Satan planted the seed of doubt about God's word. And he exposed Eve's incomplete understanding and This gave the devil a foothold, establishing a foundation for them to fall. That's why I said, don't leave any cracks open. Close any crevice, any door, whether good, bad, or indifferent, whether it was your fault or not, close it. Because if you leave it open, that's when he will creep in. And so think about it. When Jesus was coming off of his fast, the devil immediately led him to the wilderness to tempt him. And he tried to basically turn God's words around, understanding that he was speaking to the word. And every time Jesus counteracted Satan's attempt, he counteracted with the word. So that lets you know that we have the authority in our mouth and there's power in his word. And when we open our mouth and begin to speak to that, that's trying to come up against our thoughts. When you know God's word, when you have a relationship with the Lord, you use his word to counteract the devil's tricks. He has to leave you alone. He's not going to keep messing with you. He only keeps messing with you when you leave a door open and you entertain doubt in those thoughts that he have tried to place within your mind. Satan wants us to see sin as something good and God is not good. The direct opposite of what we know. Satan's temptation opened their eyes instantly to their own sin and rebellion. Ooh, child. When I tell you that right there just kind of sat with me for a little bit because that's exactly what happened. It wasn't that they were going to die a natural death. It was that they became in knowledge of some things that they really was not ready for. And that's just like us. We ask God for so many different things. And then when he starts to open our eyes up to those things, or he starts to answer the prayers that we've prayed and petitioned him for, you know, we can't handle it. Even though we've prayed for it, we've asked for it. We can't handle it. And so that's the reason why he doesn't give us everything all at one time, because he knows we cannot handle all of that at one time. 
So Eve tried to become something she wasn't by rebelling against the one who created her. The enemy made her think she would become like the one who created her. We do this all the time, trying to impress others because we don't want to look like we're less than what we what we are to somebody else. And it's no different. So God created her and she was trying to make herself look like something to God. But he didn't ask her to that. He know how he made her. He know what he placed in her. Just like he knows how he made each and every one of us. He knows what he placed in us. And so by eating the fruit, she thought she was doing something good for herself. Selfish. Selfish, selfish, selfish. And that's where the enemy comes in at. He, When he wants you to think that sin is good and it's okay to do whatever it is that you desire to do in that moment. And you're not really thinking about the consequences or the, the reaction to your actions behind that. That's what she did. She thought she was doing something good for herself. Because she wasn't okay with what God had given them. Now, could you just imagine life being so just carefree no worries no nothing and everything going good it wasn't broke my motto is if it ain't broke don't fix it It, there wasn't anything wrong with where she was why couldn't that have been enough that's like us the more we see the more we want because it's never enough And so, um, when we don't wait for him, when we think we know more than him, that's what we do. We try to help God out, especially when we have given something to him and we don't think he's moving fast enough. We try to help him with it, but God don't need our help. So for Adam, Eve became the agent of temptation for him. He was not deceived like her, but sinned with his eyes wide open in open rebellion against God. Eve was tricked, but Adam knew exactly what he was doing. Now, (laughs) I don't know about y'all, but that is hilarious in some instance, but it's not. But if you sit back and really think on some things that you have done in your life, you've done it with your eyes wide open. You wasn't deceived. You wasn't tricked. You knew exactly what you were doing. Just like Adam knew what he was doing when he ate of the fruit. So once their eyes were open, they saw themselves change. And the way they saw the world and others was changed. So usually when we do things we shouldn't, our eyes are open to the consequences after we have done it. It feels good in the moment, but the results could be life changing. And that's exactly what happened to them. She was deceived by the enemy, the snake, the serpent. And then Adam openly followed suit. That lets you know, ladies, since the very beginning, what kind of power we have over over the men and how we can talk them into doing just about anything that we want them to do. Even when it goes contrary to the word of God. Sin made Adam afraid of God's presence. God gave Adam a chance to repent when he asked, who told you that? 
Adam did the direct opposite by blaming Eve. We do it all the time. We blame others. It won't take accountability. So Adam had an opportunity to turn this around and he didn't. Instead, he blamed Eve for where he fell short at. So when God asked Eve, she did not blame the devil. She just told God she was deceived. Where she exchanged God's truth for the lie. And newsflash, and this is this is free. Nothing actually happened until Adam ate the fruit. <laughs> Why? Because the word was given to him. He was the authority over everything, including Eve. And he miscommunicated God's word to Eve, which left her open for the enemy to come in and do just what he did. And that was deceive her. So after all the things God Wait, let me back back up right here before I go into my next story. So nothing happened until Adam ate the fruit first. And to be truthful with you, if we all had to be honest, when was the last time you took accountability for where you knew you were doing something wrong, but you wouldn't repent for it? God gave you Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent from that thing. And yet you still saw no wrong in it. You didn't see your part in it. You didn't think you did anything wrong. Now, this leads me into my next story. And basically what I wrote was when listening to the wrong thing or people goes wrong. And here I'm going to talk about the story of Moses and the children of Israel. Now, you know, God had delivered them from so many different things. They saw him remove their enemy out of their pathway when he killed Pharaoh, his army, everything. They saw that they were a witness to God's hand. Every time that they asked for a thing, God loved them so much that he gave it to them. And after all the things that God does for the children of Israel... They were still complaining, which ultimately leads to the beginning of the end, not just for the generation, but for Moses too. God was not going to allow that generation of those he delivered from Pharaoh to enter into the promised land, including Moses. So just like God is to kill, he, he kills some things off in our lives first before he will let you move on to the next part or place relating to your purpose so he didn't let those generations that were unbelieving those that were complaining and doing things that they were not supposed to be doing he never let them enter into the promised land including Moses how many times have you been so thirsty for things that ultimately ends up being something that has the potential of blocking your blessings how many times have you allowed your bad attitude to prevent you from receiving what God has for you. They were they were complaining this time about not having water. They were probably thinking back on those things how they used to be when they were in Egypt. 
How many times do we resist Egypt because God is not doing what we want him to do? But not resist Egypt. But how many times do we revisit Egypt when God is not doing what we want him to do? It speaks to a lack of trust in God. And so the children of Israel clearly did not trust the Lord to provide after everything they saw. And that's usually Egypt is a state of mind. It's a mindset and it has you trapped. It's like it's a never ending loop almost like you're stuck in it. Like you, you can't get away from it. Right? So when they began to say crazy things, which impacted the generations that were coming up, it's just like what we do has the potential of impacting those around us makes people not really want to be around you so when your attitude is funky there's many a times where my attitude was just stank y'all truth moment where honestly nobody wanted to be around me heck I didn't even want to be around myself most of the time because that's how bad it was and so that has the potential of impacting others around us They made accusations towards Moses. This hindered their vision and God allowed them to be in the wilderness because of the lack of trust. Could it be that you are the reason why you're in the wilderness because you lack trust in God? So you're, could it be that you are the reason why you're in the wilderness? Could it be you are the reason why you're not going to the next level or the next place that he wants to take you to because your attitude is funky. You're complaining about what you don't have. Um, You're not thinking about what what he has already done. And it just seems like for lack of better terms, it will never be enough because no matter what God does, it's still not going to be enough. You're going to see what the next person has, your neighbor has, and then you're going to want that. But you're not going to thank him. Try thanking him in the season that you're in for the things that you have right now before you go on to something else or want to move to a different place. He's not going to let you move into another place anyway until you've learned what you needed to learn, until some things die off. So there was generations that died off from the wilderness that came out of the wilderness that would not go into the promised land, including Moses. The old generations was already dead and this new generation didn't have any belief in God. That was a bad mistake. So the old generation, their habits impacted the new generation, causing them to unbelieve and to doubt, just like the enemy places a seed of doubt in your mind and in your thoughts. In this case, they saw the behaviors and the actions of their forefathers and mothers before them that caused them to doubt and unbelieve God. Moses and Aaron went before the Lord on their behalf. And I believe that it was out of the frustration and tired of hearing them complaining about everything, that that was the reason why they went and petitioned the Lord. That's when we do. That's what we do when nothing seems to be going our way. We will complain to any and everyone that listen. Child, let me just tell y'all about how I just. Okay. There was a conviction even for me when I read that because I know I have been guilty of that more times than I care to even admit to in this episode on (laughs) today. Um, So when you're not so when you're talking, you can't hear the instructions for where you're going. 
So when you're complaining, you can't hear. When your vision is off, you can't see. Your perspective has to change. Your mindset has to change. If not, you're going down a pathway that you are not prepared for. Moses was told to speak to the rock and the water would be provided. The rod that he carried represented authority from God. Because Moses was upset with God and the people, he did not follow God's instructions. Why? Because his vision was off and his ears were plugged up with them complaining, with them, you know, not being grateful and thankful for what God had already done. And then he was just tired. He was just tired probably of going before the Lord on their behalf. He was just tired of doing and not seeing any results. That's just like what we do. But the word says, do not grow weary in well-doing. You shall reap if you faint not. And so, again, he was not, he was not trying to do what they wanted him to do but because he was so frustrated and irritated with him how many times do we make decisions out of our anger and frustration whether it's with someone whether it's with a situation or a circumstance you make bad decisions when you're angry and frustrated and Moses did not hear what God said because he was angry and frustrated not just with God but with the people of the children of Israel as well. So God told him to speak to the rock, not to the nations. Because he was angry and frustrated, he spoke to the nations. And he was rude on top of that. So not only did he def- directly disobey God, but then he had an attitude and he conveyed his attitude to the people. How many times have you been given specific instructions, but you chose to do it your own way? And interestingly enough, I got this story that I want to share with y'all real quick. So years ago, I used to get up and walk early in the morning. It'd be like 4, 4.30 in the morning. And I would go to New Birth. That's in Atlanta when I lived in Atlanta. And I would walk their parking lot because... One lap around the parking lot was a mile. That's how big their parking lot is at New Birth. Okay. So one morning it was real cold. And I had gotten up. I had put on two t-shirts. I had two hoodies on. I had my jogging pants on. I had my gloves, my scarf, you know, bundled up. And I was praying on my way to go walk. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, now, when you get out here, don't walk in the same direction that you normally walk in. Okay, this is what I mean by not being obedient. Let me just tell you about how I walked in the opposite direction. When I tell you that cold wind hit my face. Okay. But it was that second lap that I walked in the direction that the Holy Ghost had already told me to do. And it was in that part that I saw where the wind was not hitting me up against my face and I wasn't cold. So obedience, y'all, is truly better than sacrifice. Sometimes we have to just listen to what we heard first and act on that, not take up on our own initiative and do what we think we want to do. So 
when we don't want to do something, we get an attitude about it. And that is what you what you convey to others. He directly disobeyed God, didn't just strike it once, but twice. God still provided for his people. And that's because of the love that he has for us. Moses did what seemed to work for him as if it would be him and God providing for the children of Israel. But it was not right before God. So we act like we doing something for the Lord, but it's really our own selfish motives that we're doing it out of. Mm-mm, not going to happen. So God dealt, Mo- he dealt with Moses, Moses harshly, causing him to not lead the people into the promised land and someone else would. So God told Moses he would be training. That means getting his successor prepared to lead them into the land. Moses saw the promised land, but would not enter into it. And he had to train the person who would be leading them in. My, my, my. (laughs) Isn't that just like God? You know, it's interesting how when your attitude is bad, you're made bad decisions, your vision is cloudy, and you're just doing things on your own tangent that's not good. (laughs) God will let you see a thing won't give it to you you won't even be able to touch it you won't be able to do anything with it why because you chose to be disobedient and so it was Joshua that Moses was training up to lead the people into the promised land and God told him I'm about to let you see this he didn't tempt him with it he let him see it and said you will not go into it and neither will you lead my people into it and you will train Joshua and Joshua will will do what you were not what you could have done but you're not going to because you were disobedient so now it was Joshua and Caleb that would lead the people into the promised land which leads me into my next story Y'all, when I tell you this thing right here just hit me so that I chuckled most of the time while I was (laughs) writing out my notes and preparing for this because I could see me in each one of these incidents where I have been deceived. I I did a thing with my eyes wide open. Um, My attitude was so funky, which it clouded my vision, clouded my hearing, clouded my judgment. And it didn't get me anywhere. What it did was it caused me to stay in the wilderness a little bit longer because I was being disobedient and wanting to do things my way instead of doing it God's way. And I'm going to tell y'all through firsthand experience, it will not work if you try to do it in your own strength and not operate in God's strength. Trust me on that one. So now Joshua sent Well, we know that there was 12 spies that went in to spy out the land. But it was two of them that came back with different reports. Now, this is where I talk to y'all about perspective. So when you change your perspective, sometimes your vision will no longer be cloudy. 
it will begin to become clear. You'll have some clarity on those things, right? And so two reports, they saw the same thing, but two different reports. Do you understand that you and somebody else could see the same thing, but y'all gonna answer that thing totally different? That's exactly what happened here. And so for, for me, what this showed me was, is that you could see the same thing or show the same thing, like I said, to two different people and get two different answers. One of them spoke of how they could conquer the land because he, he had faith. And I believe that in God and he believed in what he saw. He believed in what he knew. He had that blind faith, the kind of faith that we're supposed to have that faith that, you know, it appears as though it is, even though it's not, because we have total 1000% trust in the Lord. And so I believe that he had that kind of faith and he believed in God. And the other one looked at it with his natural view and had a defeated mentality. So change your perception, because a lot of times you could be your own hindrance just because it doesn't look like it may work. Where's your faith? Who are you listening to? Who told you that it wasn't going to work? Did God tell you it wasn't going to work? You know, so along the way, they met a prostitute named Rahab who wound up hiding them and then ended up being saved, her and her family, right? So this leads me to this to say that a lot of times you could be headed in one direction. God could be leading you to do something, not giving you all the clues. You step out on faith to do the things that God have. He's taking you to, he's sending you to not knowing the whole story, right? They didn't know that the reason why they had to go in and spy out the land was for Rahab so that she could be get so that she could become saved and her whole household would be saved. God didn't tell them that. He didn't tell them about the prostitute that they was going to encounter. Why? Because she already had enough different things and different issues as it was because she was a prostitute. So could you imagine how they would have judged her or how they would have looked at her? Um, if they had known that they were going to be, they were going to link or connect with a prostitute in the land that they were spying out. How many of y'all, if you really fully know, knew, um, all the things that you were going to encounter along the way to your purpose. And that's a part of your destiny. Would you really do it? Would you really walk in that direction or would you still continue to just operate in your own understanding? So now I thought that it was interesting from this aspect that if God didn't say it, you shouldn't be listening to it. And so before I close out, I would like to leave you with this. God will use the most unusual circumstances as a part of your destiny that will impact someone else, but you won't know it until after you're in it because God does not tell us why or who. We just need to trust him and obey. That's all we need to do, y'all. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that this helped someone out there that might be listening. 
you know, do me a favor, like it, share it, share it. Oh, by the way, share it. We are now available on um, these platforms, Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and Radio Public, other platforms where you can find Broken, Strength Under Control. Um, y'all, I am so excited. We are ending out the year. Let's end it out the same way we went into it. Strong. Yes, I know the pandemic has had us all in a tizzy and an uproar and just uncertain about so many different things. But God is still the God who sits high and looks low and he's still on the throne. Nothing has escaped his path. He has this in his hands. So are you going to choose to doubt and operate in unbelief? Or are you going to believe and stand in faith that God has this and he has a purpose and a plan and he's going to use it for the greater good? And so my book, y'all, I got my my copy of the book so that I could actually look at it before um, it goes out. When I tell y'all, it actually looks like a real book. Y'all, come on, Jesus. Come on. So like, for real, for real, this is the second edition of this book. It was out before. Um, I believe it was a timely word then. It's an even more timely word now because we are in times of uncertainty. And when I tell y'all, the second edition is better than the first edition. I tweaked it a little bit. I've included some reflection pages. So if you get something after reading the, the chapters, you can write in the back on those pages in the book. Y'all, when I tell you this thing right here is my baby and it took 12 years to birth that. Meaning 12 years for me to come into agreement with what God said I was going to do. And that was write a book even though I did not think or believe that I would ever write a book at all. I have two more that I need to be working on soon. Um, So the book will be out officially January the 11th, 2021. Save that date. January the 11th, 2021. I will elaborate a little bit more in the upcoming weeks. Um, I'm going to probably go live here pretty soon and I'm going to talk about the book. I'm going to talk about the podcast. If you want to ask questions, you will be able to ask questions as well. I'm just going to just utilize this platform because God gave it to me to use for somebody. Even if it's just one person, it doesn't matter, but he gave me the platform to use. And so Again, I'm your host, Robin. I want to say thank you for tuning in. Be encouraged and know that I'm praying for you. Peace and blessings to you.